Love Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Stand up. A late night, up all night. What's going on, everybody? This is Dan Buffa. I have a little overlap with the explosions in the sky. That's my opening music. It's supposed to make me sound impressive, but it doesn't really. What's going on, everybody? It's 11.30 at night, uh, Thursday evening. This is where I'm just going to rant. I'm an uninformed podcasting radio voice. I'm going to kind of unload the pop culture and sports mind, just kind of let it rip. Uh, don't expect any professionalism here. Just a guy ranking on in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, as he enjoys a St. Louis beer product, Shock Top. Well, right before I came on the air, if you are from St. Louis and you like hockey in, in any kind of sense, well, bad news just kind of dropped. The Chicago Blackhawks just swept the Minnesota Wild, and they did that with relative ease, and if you've been following the playoffs and if you're a St. Louis Blues fan, you'll know that the Minnesota Wild gave the Blues fits and they beat the Blues in six games in the first round. So you're probably asking yourself, okay, so if the Wild were that good and the Blues were supposed to be, you know, very good heading in, then how did this happen? Why didn't the Minnesota Wild defeat the Blackhawks because they were playing so well? That's because, let me just tell you something, the Blackhawks, are better than Blues, and I have a feeling that's never going to change because, well, one team consistently goes deep into the playoffs and one other team does not. And you're a St. Louis Blues fan, you you know heartbreak a lot more than joy when it comes to spring weather. And, uh, and it's, it's another disappointing year, and, you know, the, the Blues have been out of the playoffs for, what, almost a week and a half heading towards two weeks now, but it, the sting just gets worse when you see a team like the Wild go up against the Blackhawks and get swept. Wrote a column for KSTK where he kind of, kind of started popping up the hood and looking at what the Blues could actually do to get better. You know, it's it's, gonna long, it's, it's a long list because every offseason when people think it's just one or two things, well, it's more. And with this team, a lot of big questions are coming around, like do you fire the head coach? Do you fire Doug Armstrong? Do you you get rid of the GM, the head coach, the original core. People seem to not like the word core. Uh, the original fleet of talent that is David Backus and TJ Oshie and Patrick Berglund and you know Alex Petrangelo. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to leave, but there are a few guys that could be, if they can be shipped, they can be traded, that they can be put into a package. And those, in my mind, two guys that I think can really get, they can get out of town. The Blues could free up some salary, and that's T.J. Oshie and Patrick Burma. I, I won't really get into it here because I'm not going to spend too much time talking about a team that's torturous long enough, but if for all the T.J. Oshie lovers, if there are any out there, you know, he's a popular guy, he plays the game hard, and in my mind, he's just, he isn't worth the $4 million he's going to make the next two seasons. And in July, this is a big thing, in July he has a no-trade clause that kicks in. So for all you Oshi fans that really think he needs to be a blue, you think he's good, and you have those Soshi flashbacks where he scored four shootout goals on a 
on the goaltender, and it was you know, he was a national hero for one day. Well, guess what? Those those games don't matter. Yes, it was good for the USA to win that game, even though they got tossed in the next game, next round. You know, it was a great moment, but it's one of those things where if you're famous for that, you're not famous for doing anything in the playoffs, and it's time to switch jerseys. And if the Blues want to reroute this team, if Tom Stubham wants to get serious about putting a winner, and not just a winner in the regular season, the Blues seem to do that very well. They seem to be regular season kings. You know, Peyton Manning's won a Super Bowl, but I compared the Blues in a way to him in that they're just regular season. Uh, they're they're maestros. They're great. But when it comes to the playoffs, they were in a lot of trouble. You know, and of course, just like when people compared the Blues to the Cubs, that doesn't work out because the Cubs actually won a championship. Peyton Manning was a Super Bowl, but when I think of that, I think of the Blues being regular season just powerhouses. They get there. They get a high seed. And then, you know, they have a flourish, a flash of good play in the round, but then they end up losing. And if you're Tom Stillman, do you really want to bring back all these players that have been around for five, six years in Bacchus and Oshie and Berglund? And do you just want to go, okay, we're going to go with the same thing, you know? And as many people have joked, you know, they think the missing piece is Vladimir Saboka coming back from the KHL in Russia, that he's going to just be... You're going to plug him into that third line. He's going to be awesome. Well, if he does come back, that's where he belongs, and that means you need to bump somebody. Or if you want to go out and get some new blood, you got to bump somebody. And in my mind, a guy like Paul Stasnik needs to play in the first line. And for people that want to get rid of Bacchus, I wrote, I don't really, I don't think that's the right move. I like Bacchus. I like what he does. I know he has been a playoff dud. And in people, and you know, people that say that, I can't really disagree with you. You know, he he doesn't. He does really. He comes up as short as T.J. Oshie does in the playoffs. Patrick Berglund produced more points in the playoffs, than, and he scored more goals than those two guys. So that thing's kind of makes look in the mirror for a, a, a long time if you got Patrick Berglund out pointing you. But he's also a guy that I would be willing to throw into a trade, but I think it's just less likely. Because, you know, who wants to pay Patrick Berglund for two more years for 3.7 a clip? But on the Blues, you know, every fan can tell you there's going to be a million articles about it. I mean, this has to happen, this has to happen. I do think change has to happen. I don't think you can go in next year or this year in October with Ken Hitchcock behind the bench with the same group of players. You know, you can't just go out and get like a Derek Roy or a, a Jamie Langenbrunner and go, okay, well, we got that gritty guy. No, you need to go out and find a guy that can actually produce in the playoffs. You need a guy... You know, there's unrestricted free agents. There's there's guys out there that can be had. I think it all starts with figuring out who's going to be your head coach. If you know if if you're going to stick with Armstrong, and then Armstrong has to figure out, are you going to stick with Ken Hitchcock? And if they if they leave it up to him, I I, I just don't think that's a good move. I think you just I think you need to, you know, no offense to Ken Hitchcock, he's got a resume that's 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 very nice and shiny. It's got a Stanley Cup trophy on it, but in the last seven to eight years, including the last four of the Blues, he hasn't really found a way to have playoff success. And I mean, what what do you tell your fan base? What do you tell your, your team? Okay, we're going to bring this guy back. We're just going to do it again. I think you need to bring a younger guy in. And if it's if you have the money to go out and pull Dan Bilesma back in from a year retirement as an NHL network analyst, or if, you, if Mike Babcock wants to leave Detroit, you can bring him in. Uh... Todd McClellan, I don't know something about him. Doesn't really scream improvement. The guy that the 
the Sharks got rid of. Um, Kirk Mueller is a guy that's already in the Blues family, and he's got some head coaching experience. They He's kind of the bet because he isn't going to cost you as much money as a potential coach like Bilesman and Babcock would. But that's the first thing of order you have to do. You have to figure out who's going to be your head coach, and then you got to get together with your owner and your GM. you got to figure out what you, what you want to do with this team. And It's quite clear the, the obvious things are that Paul Staz needs to be in the top line. If you're paying a guy $7 million. I think he had some great moments this year. I think he does not deserve to be on the third line with third line minutes. I think you need to put Vladimir Tarasenko on the first line. And if that means you got to break up the STL line with Latera and Tarasenko and Jaden Schwartz, then you have to do it. You have to put your most talented players on the top line. I do think David Backus needs to fall back to the second line. That means you're going to keep the same guys or keep the same group. You need to reroute these lines. You need to definitely figure out how you want to be a better team late in the season. And it makes me think that next year I'm not going to really care what playoff seed. If I, if you're a Blues fan, don't worry about what playoff seed the Blues get. You know, It doesn't matter if they start in the road or they start at home. This team pretty much seems to mess it up no matter what. So if I were you, I would just root for the team to get one of the eight spots and watch them play because the, the hurt and the pain is all the same when they get tossed. And you never know, maybe if they go in and they grab a lower seed, they just get in and they, they have to fight for it. Maybe a different result happens, maybe it doesn't. Maybe we're all watching the Blackhawks play next season, too. The disappointment could be the same. But when it comes to the Blues, the obvious thing is figure out who your head coach is, cut some talent, cut the fat, and see if there's anybody out there in the market you want to bring in. Because you can't just point out problems, you got to point out solutions. And I don't think... You know, there's I I browse the unrestricted free agent list. There's the guy, there's a guy Justin Williams of the Kings. He has a good playoff resume. There's Mike Florek from the Jets. Froelich, um, not sure these guys are going to be able to. You know, they're unrestricted free agents. I'm not sure the teams are going to let them go, but they're out there. Joe Ward, a guy who isn't going to ring many bells, but he's having a good series, a good playoffs with the Washington Capitals. It's those kind of guys you can get. If you promote from within, you know, you give guys like Ty Ratty a chance. Is, is Robbie Fabry, is he going to be ready? Uh, Pachiri Lindbaum made a good impression towards the end of the season. You you can promote these guys from within, and you can just find a couple guys that you can replace while promoting talented players like Tarasenko to your top line, Stasny to your top line. I just don't think the same group goes in next year. If you do that, I think you're telling your fan base you're not trying. I think you're just telling that you're doomed. And I think we've talked enough about the Blues. Uh, as I say, they're, they're they're not playing anymore. They're they're a vast disappointment. And anybody on Twitter and Facebook or uh, well, I, I wouldn't go on the fan forums right now. I wouldn't go on any Blues fan forums to like in September because they're just going to be a bunch of baiting and a bunch of stupid ideas. And if you think I said something stupid tonight about what should happen, do you just go check out the fan forum on stlday.com or? the Blues Lounge, and you can get a good laugh because they what they want to have happen is just ridiculous. They want to trade, you know, Petrangelo and, you know, get rid of all the one of the top guys. And and I'll be honest and say that Bacchus and Ocean Steen, they're, they're all not, they're, they're not untouchable. I just wouldn't get rid of, you know, all of them. You can't clean house because then you might not make the playoffs next year. I, I don't think we, we can replace that much talent, but you do need to figure out one or two of those guys that can go. And if there's a trade out there where their value is any one high, you need, to, you need to make it. Moving on, it's an NHL playoff update. Uh, 
Blackhawks are advancing. The Anaheim Ducks are battling the Flames to see who places the Blackhawks. And in the air, in the Eastern Conference, the Canadians survived a, uh, a sweep and they beat the Lightning today. And my uh, my player that I'm watching, as I mentioned last night, in the podcast is Alexander Ovechkin. His Capitals are about ready to knock out the best team point wise in the league in the New York Rangers. I hope they get that done. I mean, every everybody, every hockey fan, I mean, every sports fan, you have to have that one guy that you really root for. And my guy is Alexander Ovechkin. I want him to get his cup. And I think Barry Trotson has a good team, and I think they're playing really well, and they're getting some good production from guys not named Ovechkin. And I, I hope they go deep. I like Braden Holpe in net, and I like they have a team that can do it. They don't. You know, they're, they're an offensive-minded team, but they're, if they can get past the Rangers, a series between the, between the Lightning and the Capitals will be a monstrously entertaining event. You have two teams that can score. They're ferocious. They can put up points. They have two good goaltenders in Ben Bishop and Braden Holby. I, I'm hoping for that series, so we'll see. Moving on. You know, there's always the movie... You know, right now in theaters, we all know what's in theaters right now. You have Furious 7, and you have Avengers Age of Ultron. We've talked about those enough. Everybody knows about those. My my grandmother, who hasn't been in a movie in 10 years, knows about those movies. Let's talk about a movie that maybe you need to watch that's at, you know, maybe sitting on a DVD shelf or maybe on Netflix that you need to watch. And there's two movies I'm going to tell you about. And if you know me, you probably know which ones I'm going to be mentioning. The first one is End of Watch. If you like a good, realistic cop movie, End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Pena, the underrated Frank Grillo, uh, Anna Kendrick for Pitch Perfect fans. She has a good role in it. It's a great movie, and it's directed and written by David Ayer, who wrote Training Day and Dark Blue. He knows how to write dirty or basically realistic cop films and Realistic cop films that take place in Los Angeles, in the most dangerous part of the land. I guess they used to be the most dangerous part before St. Louis and uh, perked up in that list. But it's just a great movie. It follows Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena are cops, and they they have they they basically are patrol officers on one of the most dangerous beats in, in L.A. They get shot at. They, you know they they have a very dangerous job, and it just follows these guys. It really exhibits the brotherhood that. Being a cop, being a cop is, and the job, and uh, and all the stress that comes with it. It doesn't feel like a movie. I mean, you're watching guys that you know are actors, but they're so good in the roles and the, and the dialogue and the way they're trained. It doesn't feel like you're watching cops. It doesn't feel like you're watching a, a, a rehearsed, choreographed movie. It feels real, and it's a movie that gets better the more you watch it, and it really will hit you hard because it's honest, and it doesn't have the most optimistic ending. I mean, you know, the heroes don't go out blazing; they don't walk away in the end. People die, and it's a very realistic movie, especially with you know the way that the violence that's happening in our world right now. Being a cop is one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, no matter where you are. And Los Angeles and St. Louis and Baltimore, where things are getting crazy right now, and even in you know going to Texas, going out of Colorado, go anywhere, and being a cop is a dangerous job. You put your life on the line. Dave and Ayer and these cast of actors, they they. They, they kind of make you buy into it. If you're not, if you're kind of guy that kind of, you know, shakes his head at cop movies and the same way you shake your head at zombie movies. I mean, this one gets it right. So if you have a chance to watch that, get that. If not, 
there's a great movie that's still on Netflix, I'm sure. I saw it the other night. It's John Favreau's Chef. If you like food and you like to laugh and you like a good story with it, John Favreau's Chef is like the best movie he's done. He hasn't done a lot of movies. He did the first two Iron Mans, which are entertaining in their own right. But what Chef does, it takes a really good story about a, a first-class chef. He uh, kind of gets, he wants to he wants to cook a certain menu. He doesn't get cooked a menu. He gets ripped apart by a, by a food critic. And he goes off on the food critic, and it kind of tears apart his reputation. And he has to, and what he basically does, he gets knocked down to nothing, and he, in order to reestablish himself, he gets this food truck, and he, him and his best friend and his son, who he's trying to reconnect with, they start this food truck and they drive across the country, and it's got some good, good acting in it. He fills it with all of his buddies. John Favreau, he's got Scarlett Johansson's got a good small role. John Leguizamo, Robert Downey Jr. pops up in it. Tony Stark himself, uh, Dustin Hoffman plays his boss, Albert Platt. Yeah, Sophia Vergara plays his ex-wife. I mean, it's a movie that it's so easy to watch. It's one of those movies that it's it's so well written, it's so well put together. It's not a sequel, it's not a reboot, it's not a remake. It's a fresh original story. If you're getting tired of all the Marvel sequels and the talk and all the reboots and the you know what what basically looks like to me Terminator 16 coming out this summer. You know, Chef is a movie you can look up. It came out in May last year. I, I watched it many times. It just gets better and better. It's got a great soundtrack. And Chef Choi, who you know on the Food Network, he, Favreau, really closely. He actually was a consultant. He co-produced the movie. He supervised all the cooking. And this food will make you. This movie will make you hungry. The food is amazing. John Favreau does a lot of his own cooking. He went to culinary school. Choi, I think his name is Roy Choi. It's Chef Choi on the Food Network. You see him all over there. Um, he did. He worked really closely, and he makes the food look legit. And he makes and the story, written and directed by Favreau, is just amazing. And it's a great movie. It's one of those movies that I thought was one of the best movies of last year. And of course, it didn't get near the Oscars because they don't like the movies that I like. Anyway, moving on. So, End of Watch and Chef are two movies you can rent. Buy on Amazon Plus, I'm sure, on Netflix. Let's get going on some movies that are coming out lately, uh, or future-wise, not lately. Let's talk about a movie starring a certain Austrian action star. I'm not talking about Arnold's upcoming Terminator Genesis, which I, like I said, feels like the the fifth or sixth Terminator film, and it's just it's rebooting the story, and it could be good and it could be bad, and I think it's kind of unnecessary, but. There's another movie that with Arnold that came. It's coming out in select cities this weekend. They'll hopefully spread around. It's called Maggie, and it has to do with zombies. But before you get turned off by that, or turned on, Walking Dead fans, it is a movie directed and written by Henry Hobson, I think his name is. He's an indie director. He filmed this movie last fall. He got Arnold the star. He got Abigail Breslin to play his daughter. It's a it's a story set in a farming community where Arnold is the father of Abigail Breslin. She there's a zombie there's a virus that is spread through the town. People are being quarantined, and, and the thing about this movie is it's it's more restrained. Uh, the trailer I haven't seen the movie, but the trailer makes you think that this is not like you know Dawn of the Dead where zombies are running around and terrorizing people. This is a slow infection. 
and it makes it makes you feel like the government is trying to slowly quarantine the people, and uh, hell is not broken loose. And central part of the story is that Arnold's daughter has it, but instead of letting her go to the quarantine camp, he wants to keep her at home. He wants to, you know, he wants to have her as long as he can have her before she does turn and. That's the hook of the story is that it's not mayhem. It's just it's more of a drama. It's not a bunch of zombies running around. In fact, the word supposedly is never uttered once. You don't hear the word zombie once. I, I've said it like five times in my setup here. But in the movie, it's just more like the infected. Uh, there's a, a virus that is causing people to turn into that kind of uh, undead soul and in this case, it's between it's just a small little sweet story. It looks like between Arnold and, and his daughter. And what I hear is it's the best performance he's given, and because it's the movie that he needs to be doing. You know, I mean, he can do The Last Stand and he can do the Expendables films, but what Arnold can be doing right now, he's never going to be a great actor. The same can be said for guys like Stallone and you know even maybe even Bruce Willis and you know. Even back in the day, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal, these guys are action stars. You know, Vin Diesel, The Rock. But occasionally, if you're getting older like Arnold, and you're starting to look old. Unlike Stallone, Arnold didn't do anything to his to his face. He hasn't. He, he stopped taking performance-enhancing drugs back when he was bodybuilding. He looks, he, as he said in interviews, what you see is what you get. And if you're going to be like that, you need to start taking more of these dramas and not, you know, trying to be, you know, the guy carrying the leather coat, jumping out of airplanes, shooting Gatling guns at bad guys, which is, you know, he can still do in his sleep. But the movie, the reason this movie really looks like something special and it needs people's dollars, it needs people to go, it needs you to, they need people like you to go see it. It needs you to turn away from Avengers if you can and give your money to this movie Come if it comes out in St. Louis or on, the, on, on both the East and West Coast or in the middle or wherever it gets released and needs your dollars because this is the kind of indie that's going to, nobody's going to make any money. I mean, nobody took any upfront money. This is going to make what, what it makes in, in, in theaters. It's a, it's a small independent film and, you know, Arnold's really tried to back it. He said it's a very special film and he's, because I think he knows the performance he gave in it is great. And I think he knows that it, it needs that kind of support. You have a guy here who's got a, a mega, blockbuster coming out in July, but then he's also really trying to push this movie. So if Maggie comes out in your neighborhood, please go watch it. It's a movie that I don't think it's going to redirect your expectations and feelings on zombie films and maybe on Arnold himself. So there you go. Two movies to watch on Netflix or on Amazon Plus, and then one movie to look forward to that's not a reboot, a remake, a reboot of a remake, or the make of a boot that's, that's redone, whatever. It's a good old indie film starring one of the most famous action heroes that ever walked this earth, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anyway, so last night I talked about a good old boxing fight that happened on Saturday in Las Vegas that was pretty much a flop, a snooze. I mean, you know, it, it's, it basically was a Floyd Mayweather Jr. fight where he fought a hurt boxer and he demolished him and easily won. And it's just so funny to listen to Floyd. I think if I had no job and no need, I would just be a guy who could just follow Floyd around every day. And I would get a quote from him every day because every day Floyd says something different. Supposedly after the fight, he texted ESPN first take loudmouth Stephen A. Smith and told him, yeah, I'll fight Manny Pacquiao when he gets healthy next year. 
Holiday, uh, Floyd's turning the page and saying a different tune. Now he thinks Manny's a coward and Manny should be making excuses, in which, you know, partially he's justified. Manny shouldn't be making excuses. He's the one that didn't check the box that said, I'm hurt. He's the one that said it got in the ring and couldn't throw a lot of right, you know, lead jabs because his rotator cuff was partially or if completely torn. But it's just funny. I find it hilarious to listen to Floyd Mayweather Jr. change his tune every day. This is what you do when you're a mega billionaire uh, champion. You hold three belts. Uh, you're nearing the end of your career. You've beaten the one guy nobody's said you've beaten yet. So I just think it's funny. I think if I had a, if I had no nothing else to do, I would just travel around the world, drink coffee, or I would just tr- follow Floyd Mayweather Jr. around and get a different quote from him every day. And after 100 days, I just write a book. Anyway, uh, one of the best things about, well, one of the most, one of the few really good things about living down in Arkansas is that, you know, I, I don't have a major baseball park to, to go watch. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are six hours away, and there's nothing really down here except for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And I'm not really a college sports fan. I know the only person on the planet doesn't get crazy about March Madness. Anyway, what what you do then when you don't have a major league team is you invest your time in some minor league baseball. We have plenty of that down here in Arkansas. We have the North, I think the Northwest Arkansas uh, Naturals. We have the Arkansas Travelers, the double-A team of the Los Angeles Angels. We have who occasionally play the Springfield Cardinals, the double-A team for the, yeah, the Cardinals. The Arkansas Travelers used to be in a, a Cardinal affiliate, but now they're with the Angels. We have two hours away in Memphis, we have the Memphis Redbirds, who I will be going, driving down to Memphis on Sunday to cover the Memphis Redbirds, and I will be watching Jaime Garcia make his rehab start. I'm kind of excited about that. i got a press credential. I'm going to get in the press box and write up a couple stories and hopefully put a, put my iPhone in Jaime's face and go, how do you feel? How does your shoulder feel? Are you going to last Every Cardinal fan knows that Jaime Garcia is the the paradox of all things unknown when it comes to starting pitching in the major leagues. He is a guy that has talent to be a, a number one or number two guy. And ever since he dropped in on the spot in 2009 and put together two good seasons in 2010 and 2011, and he ran into chronic shoulder problems, the last being thoracic nerve outlet surgery that you need last year. I know whenever you hear the word nerve in a pitcher's shoulder, it just makes you feel like the end is more near than far away. But with Jaime, he's making one last stand. He's on a in the final year of his four-year, $28 million contract, and the Cardinals need him. If you're a Cardinal fan, you love their record at 21-7, but you fear that their bullpen is going to break in half before June starts. And that, you know, starters going seven or eight innings is a very rare thing. Like today, John Lackey went seven and two-thirds, and that was the first time the Cardinals got seven innings from the starters since last Friday. And that's not good. Not if you want to be being one piece in, you know, July and August, September, when the, the crucial games start to play. But I make Garcia starting on Sunday is a very big deal because if he is anything like himself, is healthy, if he can really help this team, and Neville Gonzalez will be starting for Memphis on Saturday. So a couple big starts this weekend to keep track of if you follow the Memphis Urbans on Twitter or if you have minor league or MILB TV, 
keep track of them. I'll be writing up a couple stories for Cardinals Farm on Jaime Garcia's start. Hopefully get some quotes. Hopefully get some an idea of where he is going from there. The, once he pitches, he has 30 days of rehab. So if he starts on Sunday, which will be uh, 10th, he has until, what's this called, you know, June 9th to make make up the major league team. I don't think he'll last all those days. I think, he, I think he'll have about, you know, two to three starts. He's going to throw 70, 80 pitches this start. So if he gets up to strength in a week or two, throwing 100 pitches, I think he's going to come up. And I think he's going to start. I think the Cardinals, they need a fifth starter right now. And if it's Marco, I think Marco can spend a little time or he can come up here and be a long guy or he can get starts in Memphis to make sure he's completely right. But you have to find out what you have in Highmaker C. I, I don't think you can wait. I like what Marco gives you, but Marco is also young. He also can use – he hasn't had that much time in Memphis. You know, he was, he was down there last year for a good portion of time before he was called up to the Cardinals. But I do think that if Jaime is ready to go, you have to see what you have in him, see what, what he can give you because, you know, if he's – Damaged goods, he's damaged goods, but if he's potentially valuable, he can really help this team because they need all the innings they get because the Pirates aren't going to go away, the Cubs aren't going to go away. It's going to be a struggle come uh, September. Well, that's all I had tonight. Uh, 30 minutes kind of flew by, a lot of uh, hockey talk and movie talk and a little bit of baseball in the end. Thanks for staying up late with me. This will be available on upallnight.com com tomorrow upallnight.com upallnightnews.com and it'll be available on iTunes via the Up All Night show so look for it there thanks for having me thanks for listening and good night